Really glad you're here. We have been talking about being lost financially. And look, looking at those mountains, what a beautiful, I don't know if you can see them from where you're sitting. Beautiful thing to look at. Not a very good place to be lost. If you're lost in the mountains, you, you need to be rescued. So today, what we're going to look at is God's guidance for getting back on the right path financially and how he wants us to deal with our hearts, get our right, our hearts headed in the right direction. And, and, and unfortunately, for 99.99999% of us, a helicopter is not going to come in and pull us out of the mess that we're in. Uh, I guess there are some ways that that could happen. Uh, but you, actually, the lottery is one way that could happen. If you play the lottery, I don't. I don't think that's probably good financial planning. Uh, but um, that's one way you get bailed out. The problem is studies show that the quality of life of people who win the lottery doesn't go up a great deal. And they go through their, they go through their money quickly. Very fast, because the reason is you're the same person after you win the lottery as you are before you win the lottery. You you have to deal with your heart. You have to deal with the stuff in here. And God really wants us to get unlost financially, but the helicopter is not going to come, you know, pick us up and pull us out of our mess. God is going to walk through the, the mess with us. He's going to guide us through it. So today we're going to look at that. Bible has a lot to say about managing our money. Uh, and the reason is our, our finances, the way we handle them, the way we look at them, it's a spiritual issue. We tend to think of life having three dimensions, at least, a mental, emotional, physical dimension. But there is a fourth dimension that cuts across every arena of our lives that affects us. That's the spiritual dimension. And in, in the way that we handle the stuff of life, we are impacted by how much we pay attention to God's perspective and values in that arena. Our financial picture is actually an x-ray of what's going on in our hearts. So God cares about our finances. And he gives us a lot of guidance on it. Because if we're not careful, money can choke out our spiritual life. Jesus actually told a story about different people who've responded to his message, you know, that, that he will come into your life, you know, that you can accept him, find forgiveness, and begin to walk with him and follow him as he guides you to the best kind of life possible. He, he described that as a seed in one story he told, the seed. The seed's been planted in different people. And he talked about different things that happened to the seed. Well, uh, one of the things he said is that there's a man who received the seed and the seed fell among the thorns and the, the thorns grew up and choked out the life of the fruit bearing plant. And then Jesus explains the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So the way that we handle our money is, is a really big issue to God. And it determines to a great degree how fruitful our lives are. How, how, how much we thrive and bear the fruit that we really long for, that we were made for by God to bear. And so it, it's, it's a big deal. 
And God doesn't want to control our behavior. He, he really doesn't. That's, that's not his thing. He wants our hearts, though, to be connected to him in a relationship. And if we connect to him and surrender to him and des- decide to follow him and give our hearts to him and let him begin to shape us, then the behavior follows. That, that flows out of our hearts. If, if we learn to honor God, he brings his blessing in whatever arena we're, we're working on, we're operating in. He, he brings his blessing to those who learn to honor him and live in line with his guidance. We looked at, a couple weeks ago at how our, our hearts are naturally drawn toward the things we want. You know, I want my way, I want it the way I want it, and I deserve it. It's the way our hearts are wired. Well, our culture is supporting that effort in our hearts. Our culture is on the same track that our hearts are on. It draws us toward folly, not toward wisdom. That's what happens as you get, as you know, as we're just involved in the American culture and life and everything that's going on. Culture does not encourage wisdom in any arena. Morally, professionally, financially. In fact, our economic system is designed to thrive on folly. What many companies are counting on and depending on is that we will listen to their ads and we will blow right past the boundaries of our income to spend our money on what they want us to buy, what will benefit them. On you know, spend our money on what we want, not necessarily what we need. I like what one guy said. I read this this week. Don't make decisions based on the parameters and standards of people who want something from us, not something for us. You, you have to, in, especially in this area of finances, you have to decide what you're going to do. And we either tend to choose, we choose folly or wisdom. We, we build our, and that's true in every area of life. We either choose folly or wisdom. We tend to build our, our lives on the principles that will help us make the right kind of process, progress in life, or we keep spinning our wheels by choosing folly. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is being able to face the, the circumstances and the flow of life by responding with the best choice in that given circumstance or situation that is going to help you make the progress, the best kind of progress toward the right goals. That's what wisdom is in Scripture. So the flow of life is coming along, and as we deal with the flow of life, we have this ability to, if you're wise, you have the ability to choose the best thing, the best you make the best choice that's going to help you make the right kind of progress. That's not a simple thing. It's, it's somewhat complex, but there's a ton of guidance in Scripture that helps us grow in this, and we'll see this in a minute. But at any rate, managing our money is a matter of wisdom. It's easy to get lost in the folly. Now, in Proverbs 8, wisdom has been personified. Wisdom is a lady, and she says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. This is the way it is with wisdom. You know, God is gracious. 
He is full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. We're going to look at that. But God is very gracious. If if you come to the point in your life, I, you know, people hear different things about God, but if you come to the point in your life where you admit, God, I've been living independent of you. You made me, and I still chose to do life my own way. You gave me that choice. But you come to the point where you say, God, I admit it. I'm frustrated. My way's not working out. I was wrong. I've been in rebellion. I turn around, and I want to go your way. If you admit that to God, he forgives you. And then he helps you graciously. He helps you begin to grow in another direction, get on the right track and go in another direction. God is gracious. Wisdom is not. And wisdom God has woven into the very fabric of life. And it shows up as we begin to make our choices. He's written, God has, he's written boundaries and consequences into our life And if you ignore the boundaries, you hurt. Just like ignoring the law of gravity. It hurts. Matters of wisdom are like that. If you, if you break them, they hurt you. They, they really do cost you. We don't appreciate that very much. I don't. Um, sometimes there's, there's a passage that says in Proverbs 19.3, it's not on the screen or in your notes, but it says, uh, a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. And we do that. Like, God, I don't like that consequence. I don't like what's going on here. I don't appreciate the fact that I had to pay for that. But wisdom is written into life. When we turn to God that way, he's willing to help us. But wisdom is there. We want freedom from restraint without consequences. We do. We want that financially. We, we long for the day. When we can just spend our little selves silly and not have to worry about it. I have a friend who, at one point, he, in his field, he was in the top 5% in the country. And at the time we were starting the church, we weren't getting paychecks every week. And um, he, we were sitting there having lunch, and he said, you know, it was a real bummer this last time I went to Hawaii. I actually had to set a budget. And I'm sitting there, I've never been to Hawaii. <laughs> but we're real close friends. He knew he could say that to me. It didn't offend me at all. But there's something in our hearts. We just want to be free to do what we want in whatever arena it is. Our culture supports that. I'd like you to listen to a song. I got a feeling. It's, it's not the whole song, thankfully. Uh, but just a little clip of this song that sort of our hearts resonate with this. Let's listen to it. The words will be up on the screen. Oh, then your heart resonate with that. Tell you what, somebody this this morning said, how in the world do you know that song? I have children. Okay, that's how I know. I love the song, but the guidance is going to cost you. But we hit that point in our lives when we're stressed out and we feel like we deserve a break from wisdom. And we get into folly, and boy, we hurt ourselves. It it doesn't give. Wisdom is not gracious. We pay if we break through the boundaries that are set up. Now, 
we would be less than human if we didn't have the ability to choose. But we sort of have this thing with God. God, I want my freedom, but I don't want to pay the consequences of my freedom. When we choose folly, wisdom brings the consequences. And what God is hoping is, he's hoping that those consequences will bring us back to him. That we'll turn to him and find out how gracious he is. How, how kind he is. In fact, Jesus is full of grace. This is, this is a description of Jesus in John 1. He's full of grace and he helps us deal with reality. This is what it says. For the law was given through Moses. The law, the Ten Commandments, are part of the law. You live by it perfectly or you die. That's the law. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Grace is unearned favor from God. Jesus gives dead people who didn't live up to the law perfectly life. That's what Jesus does. And he is full of truth. He shows us how to deal with the real world. He shows us how to live in it. All of that comes through him. He is the key to heart change. He gives us a new heart and he guides us to say no to the old ways, all of the, the, the things that hurt us, the folly, and yes to new ways. He is our guide. And I say this because even in the financial realm, we want to compartmentalize things. We want to say, well, that's kind of a secular thing. I don't think God has anything to do with that. Oh, yes, he does. Even in this realm, as you recognize folly, you turn to God and you ask for help. He's willing to help. He gets involved. There's that fourth dimension that invades every arena of our life, and God is willing to help. Many times, we give our life to Jesus in the midst of consequences for our choices. And when we look to him for guidance, he forgives and he graciously guides us to the best kind of life. He says that if you build your life on his principles, then you're wise. There's a solid foundation to your life. And so we need his help to do that. The Bible is the source of that help, much of it. I mean, his spirit helps us as, as we try to live it out as well. And he guides us. But the Bible is the source of God's wisdom on all things including and maybe even especially money. There's a ton in the Bible about money because it's so close to our heart. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. If you were to simply get into the Bible, read it, try to do it and apply it to the different arenas of life, like your attitudes, your relationships, your communication, your work, your decision-making, uh, handling your, your trouble, the trouble that you're facing, and your finances. If you're simply get into the, the Bible and try to live that out, you would grow in wisdom. You, you would, because the Bible was written by God through men, and he laid out the basic principles of how life works. And so that, that's what happens. We grow wise. We as Christ followers, those of us who have committed our lives to Christ, are commanded to walk wisely. Ephesians 5.15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The word careful 
in the Greek, it's the word acrobos. It's where we get our word acrobat. 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 Hey, that's a new movie. I think I just came up with a title for a new movie, Acrobat. Um, <clears throat> could be interesting, but I need to get back to this. <laughs> An acrobat who makes a mistake pays a price. We're back to the law of gravity. So they need to be exacting in what they're doing. And and that's what we're told. We're, we're to be exacting in the way we live out. Not just in a general sense, try to figure out what God is, you know, is thinking. Well, we... we we're pretty sure this is what God's saying. No, we get into the scripture and really try to find out what he says and put that into practice. That's where the blessing is. That's, that's where that, that God steps in and begins to help. The days are evil. Folly will hurt. And we're, we're getting hurt by it all around us. But wisdom protects you and minimizes the pain that you experience. God loves you like a good father, and, and he, he wants us to learn wisdom, and so he's built these consequences into life. Making wise decisions greatly reduces the chances of getting lost financially. Proverbs 28, he who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Sometimes in life, calamity strikes. And, and we have to pick up the pieces, and we weren't necessarily involved in that. But much of the time, we have produced the ingredients of the stew that we're cooking in. And that is so true with our money. There, there is a rescue in living wisely and in, in asking God for his help to step in and guide us. Here's some wise decision that will help us get, get unlost and stay unlost. First of all, live on less than you make. Seems simple. In the house of the wise, Proverbs 21 says, are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. The average American spends $1.26 for every dollar they earn. This is mostly because our hearts are running wild with discontent and greed and envy and comparison. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You and I need to choose a percentage of our income to live on that gives us, that's lower than the total number. (laughs) We need to choose a percentage to live on that creates a margin for us to give and to save. That's what you find in scripture. That's the idea. We, we need a budget. We need to budget and we need to live by it. It's easy to long for the day when we're going to hit the big time. It's okay, I can be careless, I can let it go, I can spend money here and there today, because someday I'm going to hit the big time. But even if you hit what many of us would consider the big time, you still have to have a budget. My brother-in-law goes around the country helping people work with their finances, and he was helping a friend of his who made $100,000 a month and couldn't pay his bills. So it doesn't matter how much you make, you can spend more than you make. You can get yourself into a, a, a bad situation. Now, we hope, we hope for that day. Hope is a bad method for handling your finances. <laughs> I hope this all works out. I really want this. I hope the big deal comes through. I hope I get that better job. I hope I get that promotion. Because once I get that and that level of income's coming in, I'm going to be co- I'm covered. 
I can I can make up for all this folly that's been going on. Where you know I hope I win that that sweepstakes. That's not that's not a wise plan. We need a plan, and we need resolve to live on less than we make. Which means that we first of all have to keep track of our our spending. I mean, if we're going to live on less than we make, we have to stay on top of what we're spending. Be sure. Proverbs 27 says to, that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. If you don't know where your money is going, then you can't steer it in the right direction. So we, we need diligence and persistence to stay after it. The third thing, get rid of dumb debt. Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. I'd like to show you a quick video clip that you can find on the Internet. And I want you to imagine that you are the cheetah in this video clip chasing your food. He's chasing a gazelle. Let's watch this. That guy's the bill collector. He's just garnished your wage, and he's getting at your groceries. That's what will happen. (laughs) The common wisdom is that business debt, mortgage debt, educational debt, not necessarily dumb. You can get carried away with those. But consumer debt, when we build our debt on things that are going to deteriorate and depreciate, that's not wise. So we need to we need to limit that. I learned this week that they trap they trap monkeys for the zoo by hollowing out a coconut and tying a rope to it, and they put a piece of candy in the coconut. And the monkey reaches into the coconut, grabs the candy, and if the monkey would let go of the candy, he could get his hand free. But they want the candy too badly, so they hang on and they pull them to to lack of freedom in the zoo. They get the candy, but they lose their freedom. This is what happens to us financially when we keep stacking things up that way. Fourth, make make giving a pattern in your life. 1 Corinthians 16.2, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. One thing you find out in the Bible is that generosity and financial freedom are linked. Together, So are greed and unhappiness. Those things are linked as well. Generosity paves the way to contentment. When you decide that life is more about you, and it's about God, the one who made you and I, it's about him and his purpose for our life. When you, when you decide that, and you decide to live your life for him and to give your resources to his purposes, life gets really good. Listen to what Jesus said, Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Giving is an invitation for God to get involved in an unusual way in your finances. And there's some other promises we won't look at that he says he will. 
And Jesus is saying here, if you're a giving person, a generous person, it will come back to you in the measure that you use. This is the way God, this is another thing that God has built into the fabric of life. And we see it. Money matters are important to the Lord. They're important to him because he wants to connect with you and I on a heart level. And he uses the, the stuff of life, the different arenas, the things that are going on, to draw us to him if we will listen to him calling us toward him. Jesus will lead you to put your money in the right perspective. And he will give you the power through his spirit to use it for what really matters as you, as you set your heart to do that. We're going to wrap up the message. And uh, in, in a few moments, we're going to be receiving our offering. And I would like to thank you for your generosity. We have a generous crew because that's how we're able to do what we do as a congregation. It's, the ministry is, is furthered by your regular tithes and offerings. Also, as we take the offering, there's a connection card. I think Alex asked you to fill it out earlier in the service. And I'd like to ask you just to take some time to think through what God may have said to you this morning through his word. Uh, We know God better as we apply what we're hearing in the scriptures. As we take a step of obedience, understanding of him grows and opens up. So here are some things. Uh, that you may want to do in response to the message. Memorize Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. A second step could be to seek God's wisdom and finances by reading Financial Peace Revisited. This is a passage. We're doing a growth group on this. It's a book that was written by Dave Ramsey. Very helpful advice and principles in there uh, that are based on Scripture. And then create a budget to live on less than I make. I'm going to make the budget. I'm going to figure out where my money's going. I'm going to make that budget. We have to stay within the limits of our income. It's, those limits aren't going to budge. It's like a concrete wall. You can go over it. You can go around it. There are ways you can do that. But you pay a price for getting outside of those boundaries every time. And then finally, uh, I'm going to begin to give to God's purpose on a regular basis. Maybe Maybe you want to... Watch God get involved in your finances by giving. If this has been helpful to you this week, invite somebody to come back next week. We'd love to have your friends and family here. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in Scripture that really does set us free to be who you made us to be. God, I thank you for the power that you provide and the help that you give as we sort through just life, as, as we respond to the things that are going on in our lives, as we handle our responsibilities, you are always faithful to guide as we look to you. So, Father, as you've laid things on our heart this morning, give us the power and ability and grace that you give as we step out to follow you, Lord. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.